Good evening, a warm welcome to the service this evening. I'm going to ask Finley McSween now to come out and lead us in prayer in Gaelic, please. Foskel ne ruyakin shen, 
If you could turn with me to Genesis 25, please, and we'll read from verse 1 to verse 11. Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah. She bore him Zimran, Jokshan, Midan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shuan. Jokshan was the father of Sheba and Dedan, and the descendants of Dedan were the Asherites, the Letishites, and the Lumites. The sons of Midian were Ephah, Ephah, Hanoch, Abida, and Elda. All these were descendants of Keturah. Abraham left everything he owned to Isaac, but while he was still living, he gave gifts to the sons of his concubines and sent them away from his son Isaac to the land of the east. Altogether, Abraham lived 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man and full of years. And he was gathered to his people. His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah near Mamre, in the field of Ephron, son of Zoar, the Hittite, the field Abraham had bought from the Hittites. There Abraham was buried with his wife Sarah. After Abraham's death, God blessed his son Isaac, who then lived near Beer Lahai Roy. Amen. And may God bless that reading of his word to us. Let's pray for a moment as we turn back to God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We we thank you again for the word made flesh, your son, Jesus, our saviour. We thank you that although we are conscious uh, that uh, Jesus will return to this world as judge, 
a day when every eye will see him and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Uh, We thank you that first Jesus came into this world uh, to be our saviour. And we thank you that salvation and grace is still available to us today. And so, Lord, we pray that each one of us here would be trusting the Lord Jesus and obeying him, uh, walking with him in that happiness that he brings to our souls in time, a happiness that is perfected in eternity. Lord, we pray for those who are, who are not here as well, uh, some who never come into the doors of any church, who have no sense of eternity, uh, no thought of their souls. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would awaken uh, such souls, such hearts, that you would create a, a sense of need, uh, an awareness that this is not all there is, uh, but there is a need to be prepared for what comes after death. Lord, we pray for for those who seem far away from you, who have no thought, uh, who are around us in the community. We, we bring them to you as we see them in our mind's eye. And we can think of others as well uh, who we would expect and look for week by week here and uh, who often will make the decision not, not to come. Uh, the cares of the world, perhaps. Uh, we don't know, Lord, what goes on in the lives and the hearts of people, but we see many who seem so close to trusting the Lord Jesus, who know so much, uh, who have an awareness of sin, who see that Jesus is Savior, who understand what he did on the cross, who are aware that he is passing by even, but who never cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And so as we think of of these people, Lord, and many of, uh, of whom we care so much about, we pray, Lord, that you would work in their hearts and that uh, there would be none who come close to the kingdom and yet are shut out. Uh, We pray for them, Lord. We ask that you would uh, cause them to to look to you, to trust you. We're conscious we can't do this ourselves. My words can't change uh, any life, just the same as uh, any of our words in, in discussions and even in arguments that we may have to try and persuade Uh, We are so aware that our words uh, have so little impact when they're just our words. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work in these lives and take the word of God and press it into the minds and the hearts of all those that we pray for. Uh, Whilst there is still time, before Jesus returns, when the time is gone and it's too late, uh, we ask, Lord, that you would be working uh, to seek and save souls. So hear our prayers. Help us now as we study this section of your word. Uh, Guide us and lead us. Enable us to see and hear what you would have us see and hear this evening. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis uh, chapter 25. We've come to this uh, chapter this evening, which in my Bible is entitled uh, The Death of, of Abraham. And we've been studying now for, I didn't check how many months, uh, through the, the life of Abraham as he walked with the Lord. And uh, we've come now to the chapter where uh, Abraham's life with God in this world uh, comes to an end. Uh, it's the, the death of Abraham. And in some ways you could say that this section, the first, uh, the first 11 verses of 
Genesis 25 is the closest thing that we have to an obituary uh, of Abraham. And we know what an obituary is. It's just a short uh, paragraph. It's a few words uh, where uh, there's there's a picture of a life. And uh, it's quite surprising in some ways what we, what we read in this section, uh, what Moses, who wrote this as God guided him, uh, chose to put in and also what he chose to leave out. So let's just look at this paragraph as we come to uh, the end of our, our studies in, in the life of Abraham. The first thing we see here is uh, another wife. That's the first point. Abraham, he has another wife. Verse 1, Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah. Now we're, re- we're reading this in, in Genesis 25, which comes after Genesis 24. It doesn't take a mathematician to work that one out. Uh, but we make the assumption as we're reading that what happens in Genesis 25 happens after Genesis 24. But that's not always the way that things work in, in the Bible. Things don't always follow in a chronological order. And if we look at Genesis 25 and, and see that Abraham takes another wife and then we, we, we read that Abraham has six more children in his very old age, we might think this is a, a surprising thing to read. Um, but the scholars are of the opinion that it's more likely that Abraham took this wife, Keturah, whilst Sarah was actually still alive. And that might surprise us too. There's different opinions on this, but um, having read the commentaries, I think it seems most likely that Abraham took this wife um, earlier uh, than after the the death of, of Sarah. And that surprises us, but in that culture, that was the norm. That was just what happened. And and so it's it's likely this is what, what Abraham did. And we might say in response to that, but if we look back to, <clears throat> to Genesis um, 1 and 2, didn't God say that his design uh, was, was one man and one woman, just one wife? And the answer is yes, that is God's design. But the reality is we don't always do what God says. We should but we don't. Uh, So what is Moses doing when he tells us in verse 1 that Abraham took another wife? Well, he's simply, he's he's not telling us this is a good thing. He's not telling us this is an acceptable thing. He's just telling us the truth. This is a record of what happened. And God does this right through his word. He just tells us the truth about his his people. He, He doesn't just give us the highlights and Photoshop out the, the, the bad bits. He, he tells us the whole story. So Abraham was a, was a man of faith. But even if the scholar's theory on the wife Keturah is wrong, we can glance back at past chapters and we can see that although Abraham was a man of faith, he often got things wrong. He often did the wrong thing. It's just what happened. And we can think about uh, the disciples, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, so on. They were disciples of Jesus. They were following Jesus, but they often got things wrong. And we've got the record of it. And Paul was a missionary, and he was full of zeal, and he was full of courage and commitment to Jesus. But sometimes he lacked patience. 
Barnabas could tell us that story. And David was a man of prayer, the greatest songwriter that ever lived. He was a man after God's own heart, and yet he was guilty of adultery and murder. So God tells us the truth about his people. Uh, God saw Abraham's sin, and he tells us the truth about it, and God sees our sins. And we might not have another wife hidden away in a cupboard somewhere. That's not an acceptable thing in our culture, thankfully. But we might have more money than we need. That's acceptable in our culture. We might be very comfortable with gossip and speaking critically about people. We might be full of pride and swagger. And God sees it. Dale Ralph Davis says, Do we ever allow culture rather than the word of God to direct our practices? And he answers, yes, though we, may not, though, we, though we may be blind to the fact. And then he follows on by saying, so we may need to go easy on throwing rocks at Abraham. God saw Abraham's sin, just like he, he sees our sin, and yet he still loves us. He forgives us as we repent, and he uses us as he did Abraham, even though we are, we are far from perfect. So the first thing we see here is Abraham, he, he takes another wife. And uh, the second thing we're told here in this last section is that Abraham had another family from this wife. Uh, she bore him Zimran, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, Shua, and so on. The names go, I made a hash of them the first time, I'm not going to read them uh, the second time. But we have another family in verses 2, 3, and 4. And, and what do we know about this family? Well, um, we know that this family uh, will be at odds with the family that came from Sarah. And although we don't have time to do this, and I haven't done the, the deep study to kind of get into this, but if we were to fast forward uh, to the time of the judges, uh, we can see a name that we recognize uh, from this section, the Midianites. The Midianites who are descendants of, of Midian. And the Midianites caused a whole lot of uh, difficulty for the Israelites. They were a threat to the Israelites. So even taking one example of one name from that other family line, we can see that there's a lot of difficulty and, and heartache that came through this family line. And in one sense, this family line should never have existed. Because God had promised Abraham that he would bless the family of Abraham and Sarah. And they had to wait a long time for that family to begin. And they had to wait an even longer time to see that the family multiply. They didn't see it. But God's promise to Abraham was that blessing would come through the family that he had with Sarah. And not this one. And yet we have this other family. And that family can be traced back to Abraham's disobedience. It's an illustration through all these names, that Abraham on occasions failed to trust God and that had consequences. And Abraham was learning that lesson all through his life. He, he was forgiven as he sinned, but the sin that Abraham committed, the mistakes that he made, they had consequences. Remember, he lied twice in going into to Egypt and that brought difficulty and it brought distress into his life and the life of those that he loved. His sin had consequences. And Abraham decided to have children with Hagar, albeit Sarah was in on the plan. But it was disobedient. 
It was a failure to trust God's promises. And Ishmael was born, and from the get-go, they were told, this is trouble. And it was trouble. And here, through all these names, uh, we, we can sense and we know that there's trouble ahead through this other family line. And so we take the point, as we look at Abraham's life, uh, we take the point here that just as he failed and fell and disobeyed, we know that we do that too. We look in the mirror and we see ourselves in Abraham. And we're thankful for God's grace. We're thankful for the fact that, that when we stray as he strayed, there is grace, there is forgiveness as we repent. But we see in Abraham's life that as we stray, as we wander, there can be difficulty, there can be consequences uh, coming from our sins. So the far better way to live is to live the way we sang, trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Uh, Abraham, through a failure to trust and obey, he lost a lot of happiness. There was a lot of trouble that came through this other family. Another wife, another family. Uh, third point that we note here is that there's an unusual will. Verse 5, Abraham left everything he owned to, to Isaac. Now we're all familiar with the, the whole idea of a, of a will, um, a last will and testament, uh, where the person who has died leaves behind their possessions. And uh, many close families uh, get into difficulty after a, a will is read out. If there is a feeling amongst the family that each person hasn't had their fair share. And usually these days, you know, if there are children, what's, what's uh, left is distributed fairly equally between the children. But what we read here in verse 5 is that Abraham left everything he owned to Isaac. And we ask the question, why is that? And the answer is because that's what God told them to do. The blessings and the benefits that God promised were promised to those who belonged to this family, to this people. And in some ways it's a, it's a surprising thing that God would determine to, to bring blessing uh, through this small family. Because when we look at the, the former family, uh, the other family that I referred to uh, a second ago, uh, there's all these different names. It's a big family. It's quite a strong unit, you could say. And it's just singular Isaac, the small family, the, the, the weak line in terms of the way it appears in this world. And yet God works through the, the weak line and not the, the multiplicity of people. And uh, that's so often the way God works. He doesn't choose the strong. He doesn't choose the, the ones that the world would describe as wise. Uh, he chooses the weak things, like us. And Paul reminded the, the Corinthians of that. And uh, he writes to the Corinthians, knowing that this letter would not just be read to them, but it would refer to people like us. And God says through Paul, brothers and sisters, this is 1 Corinthians 1, 26. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God shows the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. 
God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And it's always humbling whether we're looking in on Abraham's life or whether we're looking in on uh, those that the Apostle Paul was writing to. It's always humbling to see how God works. He uses the weak. He uses the imperfect. He uses the unlikely to bring blessing. That was the way with Abraham and Isaac. And if we follow that line all the way through the generations, it takes us to Jesus. And what did people say about Jesus from Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth, they said? That, that town from, from nowhere, that place of no significance, can anything good come from there, Nazareth? Isaiah says in Isaiah 53 and verse 2, speaking prophetically about Jesus, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Jesus physically speaking, was not remarkable. There were not photographers and paparazzi chasing after him for his film star looks. There was nothing remarkable, nothing of of great beauty and majesty to attract us to him in his appearance. And yet, that's how God's chosen servant determined he would come to this world. He he looked like an unlikely saviour. Genesis 25 teaches us that the the blessing came to Isaac, the blessing came through Isaac. And for us, the blessing of salvation, the blessing of eternal life, it comes through Jesus, that descendant of Abraham and Isaac. So we need to be in his family. We need to be one of his people. Uh, We need to, to be in him if we are to be blessed eternally. An unusual will. Uh, Fourthly, we read here of a forced separation. Verse 6 says, While he was still living, that's Abraham, he gave gifts to the sons of his concubines and sent them away from his son Isaac to the land of the east. So we learn here that although Abraham, uh, although his other sons were cut out of the will, they did receive gifts from Abraham whilst he was still alive. And if we ask the question why, the answer is, is simply because he loved them. They were his children. So how could he not love them? He loved them. But Abraham recognized that, that, that this family, that these sons were different to Isaac. And he could see that these sons, this family would not be at peace with Isaac. And so he sent them away. Uh, he sent them away to the land of the the east, it says, and in the biblical um, symbolism, uh, to go east is to go away from the presence of God. When Abraham uh, strayed into Egypt, he was going away from God's will, he was going east. And so these sons were sent away from the presence of God. They were, they were sent uh, east. And Abraham, who was acting as God's agent, he enforces this separation. So there's a a forced separation between God's people and those who are not God's people. 
And Abraham here is pointing us to, to Jesus and he's previewing another day where there will be a separation. And Jesus spoke of it in, in Matthew 25. Maybe just turn there for a moment. Matthew 25, if you've got Bibles, and at verse 31. And we see and read there of a, a separation that Jesus uh, speaks of. Jesus says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people, one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes to clothe you? When did we see you or... When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So there will be a separation. This should be much more, I think, on our minds than it is, because the people that we love, who have no interest in spiritual things, who are getting on with their lives, who are preoccupied with making more money and getting more of this and more of that, and whose minds are full of the cares of this world, if we love them, we will tell them there is a separation coming. There is a day coming where, where those who are in God's family, those who are trusting in Jesus, will be separated eternally from those who are not. So what's important for us today is that we, is that we trust Jesus so that we spend eternity uh, blessed with him rather than cursed apart from him. There's a forced separation. The next point is that there's a promised gathering. And right through the, the, the book of uh, Genesis, right through the story of, of Abraham's life, there's continual reminders that God is a promise-keeping God. Uh, we're told, verse 7, Abraham uh, altogether lived 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man and full of years, and he was gathered to his people. So, the old age, the, the good old age, the, the full of years, the, the, 
That, that was promised. Um, we could go back to Genesis 15:15, 15, 15, and we hear God say this, and now when we get to the end of Abraham's life, we see that God has done this. He's kept his promise. Doesn't mean that every one of God's people will live to a good old age. Many don't. But for Abraham, that was a particular promise, and God kept it. His sons, verse 9, Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah near Mamre in the field of Ephron, son of Zohar the Hittite. The field Abraham had brought had bought from the Hittites, and there Abraham was buried with his wife Sarah. And we thought about this two chapters ago, or two Sundays ago, I think. It's another evidence that God keeps his promises. The place where Sarah was buried, and now the place where Abraham is being buried is the land that God promised to him. And so we see, even in the burial place of, of Abraham, that God's promises, they are, they are beginning to come true. But there's more to see here, and I'd, I'd never seen this before in this chapter. Uh, note here that after Abraham dies, but before Abraham was buried, we're told in verse eight, the second half of it, that he was gathered to his people. So see the order of that. Abraham dies, but between him dying and being buried, he's gathered to his people. So what does that mean? Well, it means heaven. Baldwin, the commentator, says, uh, Abraham is described as gathered to his people, a beautiful idiom which lays stress on the resumption of fellowship with loved ones after death and provides a prospect of community after the loneliness associated with death. So there's this beautiful picture of Abraham being gathered to be with his people, who are the Lord's people. We can see in our mind's eye, Abraham and Sarah, together again as they are in the presence of God. So there's the, the contrast here. There's the forced separation for those who are not God's people. And that's a separation that's eternal. Because hell is a place of, of loneliness. There's no friendship in hell. It's everlasting loneliness. No community. But then there's the promised gathering for those who are God's people. And that's a great comfort uh, for us. Especially tonight. It's a great comfort to know that if we die trusting in the Lord we will go to be with him and with all his people his people also being our people <clears throat> to a place where there is never again separation the apostle Paul said for I am convinced in Romans 8 that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us. Not me, he says. Us, he says. Us. Separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a promise is given to those who are in Christ Jesus. A promised gathering. And finally, uh, an unfinished story. After Abraham's death, verse 11, God blessed his son Isaac, who then lived near Beer. Lahai Roy. And this is where we finish. This is where we uh, uh, sign off as we come to the end of the, the life of Abraham in this world. But the thing to notice as we finish is that, is that God's work goes on. Yes, he used Abraham in a huge way. But the story doesn't end with Abraham. Uh, we're, 
you know, we're only there. And God's story, God's work, it keeps on going. God's story was not finished. And today, in a sense, God's story is uh, it's still not finished. The work of salvation is finished. Jesus has done it. But God's story will continue until Jesus returns. And until then, we have the opportunity to be part of that story. And we are part of that story as we trust him and as we obey him and as we walk with him through time until he gathers us to himself and to be with his people for eternity. It's an unfinished story. Are you part of the story? Are you in Christ Jesus? Are you and I saved? Are we part of God's people? Are we trusting him? Are we obeying him? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the life of Abraham. We thank you for all these lessons that we learn. We thank you for the honesty and the truth uh, of every episode that we that we read in his life. And we pray that you would work in our lives. We see Abraham in Genesis 12, uh, living apart from you with no word of the Lord. And then God breaks into his life and calls him to follow. And perhaps there's some here tonight who are hearing that call to follow. And we ask, Lord, that you would give them uh, the strength, the resolve uh, to to follow, the faith uh, to follow. Some of us perhaps... Uh, look at our lives and we are conscious of the times that we have failed and times that we have strayed and we ask for forgiveness for these times and we thank you that you're the God that uh, does forgive us as we repent. We thank you that you're the God who is able to use us despite our imperfections just as you used Abraham and we thank you that as we follow the life of Abraham through the generations it takes us to Jesus and we praise you that Jesus is the Savior. He is the one through whom there is everlasting blessing. And we pray that we would be found this evening uh, in Christ and secure. And for those who are outside of Christ, that we see and we feel burdened for. Uh, Seek them, Lord, we pray. Uh, Save them, Lord, we pray. Help us to reach out to them and to uh, seek to share with them, with our words and with our lives, the truth of the gospel and the wonder of your grace. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.